All right, you can be seated again. Actually, Daryl was 100% right with the first half of the answer. There's more to it than that, and that's why I'm here. First of all, let me give you the big picture of where we are again. We are forming a church as Christ builds his church that will go into all the nations. It won't in its present form, but through relationships, it can. Ultimately, to break the bonds of hell, both out there and in here. And in order to do that, we have a common building block. There's one building block in creating the church. And it is called, Jesus called a disciple. A disciple, remember, is a follower of Christ who has done three things, who is in the process of doing three things. Number one, trusting in Christ for their salvation and for their continual redemption. Number two, growing in his likeness, growing into his nature. And number three, being sent by him to serve others in his power and for his purposes. That's what a disciple is. And so we are, starting at the very beginning, building disciples. And we're going through a curriculum together. It's called, the first book is How to Become a Disciple. Becoming a Disciple. It's that simple. And, and I want to tell you, even though it's simple, it is absolutely important. You know, um, um, you know, I've told you this many times, but Vince Lombardi in the, in the, in the dynasty of the, of the uh, Green Bay Packers, when they won championships one after another, you know, he would start every practice, every spring practice with, gentlemen, this is a football. He'd started the, that's how you build champions, by going back to the basics. Now, last week we gave, we, they started out, the book starts out with, what is the gospel? What is, the, the, the Greek word is kerygma. What is the proclamation? We use the word good news. What is the good news? In other words, what is the message? If somebody says, tell me about God, what would you say? And, he, and so we read from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43, which is a nice sum, summation of it. It's, it's in many places in scripture, but this is a nice summation of it. And this is what it says. These were the points that were just summing up. These were the points that were made in that passage. First of all, that Christ has sent the, uh, I'm sorry, God has sent the long-awaited Christ. The long-awaited Savior, both long-awaited in the world and long-awaited in the life of the person you're talking to. And he was crucified and paid for and to, to pay for and break the bondage of sin in our life. And so, and so, well, let me go on. He was resurrected to give us new life every day. We just sang that song. Praise the one who paid my debt and, and raised me, raised my, raised my life up from the dead. Okay, raised my life up from the dead. And that's, that's it. Continual resurrection, not just resurrection after we die physically, continual resurrection every day gives us new life every day. And then it also said 
that he is a living presence to believers, empowering us for service because the Holy Spirit was with him in his ministry while he was on earth. And so when you're, when you're talking to somebody and they say, well, what, what do you want to tell me? Just say, there was one sent from God, Jesus Christ, to, to, to break both the, to pay for the, both the penalty and to break the power of sin in your life and to give you new life every day and to walk with you in a very personal presence so that you could be empowered for service to others. And when you get done with that, here's the question to ask. By the way, we'll have a little card printed up so you can just carry this around in your, in your wallet or in your purse so that you can just kind of remember it when you need to, when you're about to go into one of these conversations, all right? Do you want that? Is that something you would want? And if they say, yeah, just pray a simple prayer that will get, begin them in their walk of salvation. Jesus, I trust in you to forgive my sins and to give me a new life. And I ask you to be Lord of my life. It's that simple. It's that simple. But here's the second part of that. They need someone to help them walk the walk. And that's why in the second lesson of this book, it talks about baptism. Because baptism is not just the outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. It is not just the symbol and, and the mere obedience of what we have just done in believing in Jesus Christ, the natural follow-up to believing. Baptism is the entrance into a new community, one that we need. Now remember the nature of God. We're forming this church around the nature of God. And the first two elements of that nature is I am the identity of God. When we, when we say, I trust in you, Paul said it like this. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Christ is now our identity. That's how we identify ourselves. We don't identify ourselves by our status, by our job, by our sexuality, by our whatever. Christ is our identity. All right. But then look where it goes. I am us because God is a relationship. That's God's identity, a relationship. And so therefore we must enter into a spiritual family, a spiritual family. And so let's go to this scripture. And, and, and that's one of the reasons we do this question and answer thing is just to prove to you anybody can do this. Anybody can gather their friends, which is what we want you all to do eventually. Just gather some folks and say, hey, can we go, can we go through this together? And, and, and many of them will go, all right. And then you go straight to the scripture. And you say, what does the scripture say? Let's hear you just read the scripture. What does it say? That's so important. Partially because our culture is so biblically illiterate. And let me go even further. The church is so biblically illiterate, it's frightening. Becky was telling me the other day about a story of a, of a uh, uh, oh no, I read this someplace. The, uh, I'll tell you another story she told me, but, but uh, this, this was a, a, about an auctioneer and, and he, he was holding up a, a figure and he said, who wants to bid on this figure of Winston Churchill? And, and somebody from the crowd recognized and said, that's not Winston Churchill, that's Franklin Roosevelt. And he looks at it and said, huh, well, it just goes to show you how well I know my Bible. 
You know, in this culture, we quote the Bible, things that aren't in the Bible. Things that came from, I mean, I, how many times have you heard, like it says in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. That's nowhere in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin said that. We get, we get it confused, so we have to know the scripture. That the truth has to come from the scripture. And so, and so we go to the scripture, and in the scripture, this, I'm, I'm going to center on um, um, the, the, just the, the 18th through the 20th verses here in, in Matthew 28. By the way, if you read Matthew 28, if you got your, your word with you, you will read that Jesus has just been resurrected. He has just, um, the, the disciples have just heard about it. And then all of a sudden Jesus appears. And he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And they're going, well, no kidding. I believe, yeah, okay. And, but this is what he says. This is the great commission. And let me just, let me do a little underlining while I'm here. Because I want you to see something of the structure of the verse. It's, it's fairly important. This, there's one imperative. In other words, the verb in this is not go. That's a participle. In the, in, the, in the Greek language, it's a participle. I'll tell you, what, let me tell you what a participle is. Those of you who are grammarians know this. A participle is a modifier or a qualifier of a verb or, a, or, or an adverb. In other words, it tells you more about what was just commanded. Uh, back, now I can tell you this story. Now, Becky sh- uh, told me about a Hallmark card that on the front of it, 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 it's one that a wife would give her husband. Um, uh, uh, and, and on the front of it says, I love you more today than yesterday. And you open it up and it says, because yesterday you were kind of getting on my nerves. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a participle phrase. It kind of explains the, the, the action. And so there's one action in here. In this commandment, in the, in, the, in, the, in the original language, and that action is make disciples. I'm sorry. Let me get this. Make disciples. That's, that's the action. That's the imperative. It's an aorist imperative, which means sometime in the future, you just need to do this. When you have the opportunity, you just need to do this. This is a command of the Lord. Now, there are three ways in order to accomplish that, that are listed here. The first one is go. But it doesn't, that's not a command, that is a natural as you are going. In other words, your relationships, whoever you run into as you are going, that's who is your first possibility of making a disciple in your natural life. And those people then, We'll do it for their relationships. And that's how the church spreads all over the world. Okay? And so, as you are going, therefore, it says, make disciples, baptizing them. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them. Now, this is next week. Jeff will explain this. This is uh, the Didache. Uh, this is the teaching, the historic teaching to observe, to observe. This is important. The, the, the Greek word here is uh, terrain, and it means to obey. To, don't, the, the teaching isn't just a, you know, a, a head transfer of knowledge. 
The teaching is really a training. When you come to worship, no matter where you are, when you come to worship, I want you to know you're being trained to actually do something because you're the ministers of the church. We're going to talk about baptism and, uh, and, and I want you to know every one of you is qualified to baptize. Every one of you. You don't need a preacher to do this. If you have a friend who needs to be baptized, you baptize them and then you help them in their Christian life. We are Protestants. Protestants have the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. All of us are the priests of the church. But many times we have um, um, just looked at this as a ritual. By the way, baptism isn't something that, that has salvic power, soteriological power. Some people say, well, you need to be baptized in order to be saved. No, you don't. Either Christ did everything on the cross or he didn't. Either it was God's power or it was up to man to complete it somehow. It's not up to us. Christ did everything. on the, when, when Christ looked at the thief on the cross next to him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise, guaranteed that guy wasn't baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so, and so it's not, it's a, an act of obedience and an act of community. And it's absolutely essential but it's not essential for salvation. So I, I, I want you to get that straight. But here's, here's the key. It's not a mere ritual either. That is, when it says, let me, let me go back here. When it says this, it says, baptizing them in, now watch, the, the, the Greek word here is ice. It means into the name, watch this, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, why this is important. There are a couple of abbreviated times in, in Scripture where it says just baptize them in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you why Jesus' words are so important. Because we are being baptized into the name, which is the nature of God. The nature of God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a relationship. That's why that, that, that name is so important. By the way, we, we misuse the whole, you know, in the name of Christ, you know, and we, and we, and we use it at like, a, like a magic phrase. It's not magic. The power of Christ comes in the nature of Christ. That's why when I tell you, you're going to have the best year you've ever lived, as you get immersed into the nature of God, that's where the power comes from. You don't magically wave a name over something, you know. It's because you are living in the power of God, because you have the power of God in you, that your words have power. And so when it says baptize into the community, that's, that's key here because baptism was not just a declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. It was the initiation into a new community. Years ago, when I was uh, in seminary, I'd, I, would, I had a motorcycle. And I used to ride my motorcycle. By the way, my, my, my first time I took Beck with me, we went on a ride on my motorcycle. It was so cool. I, I, I was going like 
10 miles an hour and I said, better hold on tight. So she, better hold on tighter. I just kept going 10 miles an hour. Finally, she smacked me, but, uh, but I digress. Um, um, the point is that, and it's going too late. The, the, the point is that, that um, I would ride down to, to uh, I think it was White River Park in Indianapolis. And, and I just go and I, I just start, you know, just sharing about Jesus with people. As, and, and, and doing essentially what I did just now in, in the charisma, in the proclamation, just telling the gospel. And then, and then I'd say, is this something you'd want for your life? Well, some of them would say, well, yeah. And so like um, 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 Philip in the, in the eunuch, I'd say, well, what's to prevent you from being baptized? Right? You want to be baptized? Because the river was right there. And so I'd take them down in the river and I'd baptize them right in the river right there. But here's what, as I look back, I missed. I didn't follow up with them. I didn't follow up with them. I only had a half view of what baptism really was. And I wonder how many of those folks are walking with Christ now. Because everyone needs nurturing. Everyone needs that spiritual community. Do you remember what your first spiritual community was? When I say spiritual community, I mean those people who knew you and would miss you if you went AWOL from Christ. My first spiritual community were people in, in the First Methodist Church, Shelby, Ohio. And, 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 and my, I sat with my grandmother, third pew, from the back on the left-hand side every Sunday. If I went AWOL from Christ, my grandmother would have been crushed. And, and, and Mrs. Price, who sat right in front of us, who was about 100 years old, always wore purple, but who looked for me every Sunday, would have missed me. Dr. Shoemaker didn't know me very well, but I was discipled by that man. He would have missed me uh, eventually. And, and, and the usher that set us every, uh, every and, and I had this charismatic Catholic aunt. Back then, Catholics and Protestants couldn't be spiritual family, uh, except we were, we were. And she was my spiritual family, and she would have been crushed if, I'd have, if I would have somehow uh, gone AWOL from Christ. See, you've got to have that. Everybody needs that because they are your encouragement. They are your developers. They are your protectors. And that's why the distributed church is so important. And that's why baptism is so important because you are inaugurated into a new community. If you are of another faith, of another religion, it's okay with them if you believe in Jesus. You know what? If you're Muslim, they believe in Jesus anyhow. They believe he was a, they believe he was a, a, a prophet. Uh, same thing with Jews. Jews believe he was a great teacher. Same thing with Hindus. Hindus believe he was a guru. You know? It's okay if you believe in Jesus. But when you're baptized into the Christian community, they'll hold a funeral for you because they know what that means. They know what that means. And as important as it is to them, that's how important it needs to be to us. And so I want to encourage you to not only share the gospel, but to form relationships that will become the church. 
When someone in that group needs to be baptized, you baptize them. It's a simple process. Find some water. And if you haven't got enough to dip, get enough to pour. Because in the original churches, they've, they've uncovered some of the, the archaeological digs have, have, have uncovered some of these churches. The, the baptismal pools weren't deep enough to immerse. It wasn't how much water you had. It was being under the water that symbolized dying with Christ. And rising from that water symbolized a new life in Christ. And so get some water. And baptize them by their name in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then develop them. Stay with them in the relationship. Learn about Christ together. And that is a way that God will build his church. I want to show you one more scripture and then I'll be done. In the first church, the first day. Remember when the Holy Spirit came down in Pentecost? And they rested on each of them as tongues as a fire. And they began to speak in other tongues, watch this, that were the actual languages of the people present so that they could hear the gospel, the good news in their own language. By the way, when you're, when you're sharing the gospel, make sure that you're sharing it in a way that those people can receive it in their heart language. In other words, you've got to know them. You're not just giving them information. You're considering who they are and how they will hear. So get to know them. Swap experiences like I told you last week so that you can form a relationship. But this is what happened. On that day, it says in Acts chapter 41 and then in verse 46, those who accepted his message were baptized. Were baptized. About three Thousand. You think there were a lot of people baptized up here? They were, they were baptized six, 600 that weekend. 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. And you think, well, how can you know all those people? Look at verse 46. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. In other words, this is our temple. This is our temple. Wherever you are, you're gathered in the temple right now. I don't care if you do have your jammies on. You're in the temple. This is the large group. And this is, this is what we love. And we stay connected in the large group. But we don't confine ourselves to growing in the large group. Here's where we really grow. And breaking bread from house to house. In other words, they had personal relationships with each other. All 3,000 of those folks got with the relationships they had and they began to grow in Christ because they knew one another. And that's what I want each of us to do. Eventually, God will call all of us to share the most important part of our life, the gospel and the relationships we have. And we will help you disciple those people. Make disciples. And for some of you, you will, you, have a, you will have occasion to baptize people and to, and to stick with them in their initial steps of growing as Christians. It's one of the most wonderful privileges anyone has, and it's yours. So everybody stand up with me. <clears throat> Before we go from this place, I want to, uh, again, remind you, any of you who did receive that message today when Pastor Vernon prayed it, 
I want you to tell somebody. And then I want you to get connected somehow. You can go to the hub um, or we'll follow up with you uh, and just get connected with other Christians so that we can help you grow in discipleship. I want to remind you that the blood mobile is out here. You got a couple of quarts. Come on. Just just go out. And they, I, you know, I know they not only give you movie tickets, but they, they got cookies. Cookies, you know. And if you kind of look woozy, they'll give you another cookie. I've tried it. It works. So way cool, you know. Stop and give blood if you can. It's, it's what we do on Communion Sundays because Christ's blood gave us new life. Our blood can give others new life. It's just a really great way of replicating the message we've heard and demonstrating it. But let's go from this place. Knowing that we have a prayer team up here, if you have prayer needs, come up. If you've got a burden, don't, don't go with it. We bear one another's burdens. If you want prayer for healing, come up. We'll anoint you with oil. But those of you who are going, know this, that God means to make your relationships sacred because of the faith he has put in you. So go knowing that he will use you. In Jesus' name, amen.